You are now listening to Someone Listening In, a podcast about the musical group Radiohead, by Mike Driscoll and Mac Hoskins. Welcome to Someone Listening In, the podcast about Radiohead. Nay, I say, the only podcast about Radiohead. And don't fact check it. Probably not true. Don't fa- well, don't fact check it. Just take our word for it. You can trust us here at Someone Listening In, the only podcast about Radiohead. Just trust that we're at the top of whatever podcast search platform you're looking through. Rated we're no- up there. Rated number one on iTunes. We're on Marin next week. Uh, President Obama, too, is the guest after us, but we're first. Um, as always, I am your host, Mac Hoskins, along with my other host, Mike Driscoll. Mike, how you doing? Oh, I'm feeling great. It's a Thursday night, first, first Thursday recording session. Thankfully, I don't have to be up till like tomorrow afternoon so hell yeah well good tonight's gonna be a great episode uh in part because we have an excellent guest uh he's our good friend uh he's an alabama man at the moment uh former bellflower our good friend ryan freebert souser ryan hello what's up ryan how has your day been it's been good it's been very busy I just took my pants off for the first time, which is always a lovely part of my day. Ugh. And uh, got a bunch of scratches on my leg from today's work. So, and as know. as usual, we always have our, our guest in studio with us here. So we are, we're watching Ryan with his pants off. Yeah. Well, check the scratch uh, out. I mean, it's something else. Yeah, we, we asked him to please put his pants back on once we saw the scars. Uh, he refused to do so. So unfortunately, this might be one of the shortest podcasts uh, yet, due to uh, improper dress code. I got uh, but Ryan, great to have you here. Thanks, I appreciate being here, guys. Well, uh, Ryan, you want to uh, just real quick? Uh, we've talked at length about how much we love Radiohead, our connection. Uh, want to talk just a little bit about, you know, where you're coming from with this band, what they mean to you, what you like about them. Sure, they mean a lot to me. Um... And it's often hard to describe, so I'll, I'll do the best I can. Uh, where I'm at currently with Radiohead is kind of a strange position, and honestly one of the lowest positions, I guess, I've been throughout my time listening to them. Um, we can delve into the details of that later, but primarily surrounding the most recent record, Moonshape Pool. Um, in general, yeah, they're a really important band. Uh, a lot of the music I write, more so with other people, than myself, I often hark back to a lot of Radiohead themes, uh, progressive themes in general. And um, it's really been a constant source of inspiration for me for quite a while now. I kind of, I think I started listening to Radiohead a bit later than you and Mike. I know Mike for sure because I went to high school with him um, probably since about 2009. started listening to them, so shortly after. Uh, in rainbows, if that's correct. Um, yeah, it's about the same for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They're great, man. You know, and they're they're one of those groups that you uh, sometimes I find myself going months without listening to them, and then I'll just pop on a track, and I'll just get that realization all over again, <clears throat> and just say, "Dang, these these guys are great. <laughs> they're just so these great." These cats can shred. These cats can shred. <laughs> is what I say when I listen to radio. They sure can, man. You said it. Ryan, you, you touched briefly on the uh, most recent release by Radiohead, and uh, 
you know, we, we haven't really dedicated any time in the past to talking about that album. And in the future, I think we will tackle that. Yeah, but for sure, uh, given that that's not what we're talking about today, just briefly, a Moonshade Pool, what's your opinion on it? I was really stoked based off the two singles they released, um, Burn the Witch and the other one I can't quite remember the name of. Daydreaming. That's correct, yeah. That's a, and that's a really great tune. Yeah, I think that's like one of their best songs. Yeah, it's up there. So I was really stoked once those singles were released. And, you know, obviously it was a new Radiohead record. A lot of the bands that I've loved for the past five plus years, um, somewhere along the way have... Uh, I don't want to say failed me because that sounds dramatic, but released material that wasn't up to my standards that I had for them. And I figured Radiohead would never do that. Um, or I'd never have that reaction to Radiohead, a new Radiohead release. And uh, yeah, I, I just wasn't a big fan of it. I think there was um, interesting choices for production, interesting choices for content. And uh, yeah, it just didn't grab me like any of the other records did. Still love them, still great, uh, but for me, they missed the mark. Well, and we're reflecting on past albums uh, up until that point, anyways. So we're, we're we're talking about the good before the bad, or, or who knows? Maybe we'll we'll put it. And it's all subject. It's all subjective. But, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, not not really, not really in this <laughs> podcast, except when it comes to our opinions, because we are uh, the only podcast about Radiohead. <laughs> Um, so we're here to talk today about another Radiohead album, and uh, we're uh, we're doing our our uh, drink pairings as per usual. We're changing it up a little bit this week. We've asked our guest uh, Ryan to choose a drink pairing for the album we're going to talk about, uh, which we'll reveal shortly. So uh, Ryan, uh, why don't and also after he suggested this, we all went out and got this drink. We're all drinking it together. Ryan, tell us a little bit about uh, the drink you chose to pair with this record. So the drink I chose um, was Honey Brown. It's a it's a cheapo beer. Uh, I couldn't think of much better to <clears throat> think think of a much better beverage that that represents this record. But uh, you know, I thought it may be cute considering the record. Um, and I, I regret to inform you both. Like I said earlier, I had a bit of a busy day, and we just uh, chose the beer last night. I believe I was not able to obtain. <laughs> any honey brown for myself i I thought like i i was on top of my game yesterday when i i went out and i got these beers i was like i'm gonna make everybody happy like i got them already in fact i got 12 of them oh Um, yeah i only got six and then and then you tell us today that you're not even drinking this damn beer (laughs) but 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 i uh i fixed myself uh, a gin cocktail with with honey in it all right we'll take it now we're we're almost there let everybody listening right now know that as the rules stand, you got to drink this shit with us. Yeah. So I've From never, I've never tasted a honey brown before. It's an extra rich original lager, beer brewed with honey, according <laughs> to the label. I'm gonna take a swig of this bad boy right now and tell you guys what I think. Mike, uh, if, if you all want to raise your drink, take a drink. Oh, sure. Hey. Uh, of Here. the of the honey brown or your honey brown substitute. Y'all at home, raise your glass and uh, take join us for a little sippy. Oh, I already drank it. Oops, here I go. Hmm. That is a... <laughs> That's a disgusting sound I just heard. Uh, it's fine. It's a fine yeah, it's, beer. It's not a disgusting beer, I would yeah. say. For I, I didn't even realize it was a cheap beer. I just kind of went out and 
like didn't even really look at the price and thought, oh, okay, honey brown. The labeling is, you know, it looks fine. Uh, I guess it's on the lower end as far as price range goes. I got twelve for like eleven something. Oh man, it was way more expensive. I mean, I got a six pack and it was like nine bucks here. Oh wow, damn. Hmm. Um, but hey, <laughs> not a bad little beer. I, I like it. Yeah. Uh, so without giving away the album yet, uh, you think he's you think he's onto something here with the honey brown? I think he is. Uh, I think I. Uh... Well, I'll I'll save my thoughts for later, but uh it's my first taste of the honey brown, much like uh the album. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we talk about the album, we got we, we gotta talk about come on. We gotta talk about the time first. All right, all right, all right, all right. I gotta cut you off right there, all right. sir. All right, well we're gonna the, bring back fans a- at home are playing our little game here. We're gonna bring back a recurring segment. It was a huge hit last time we did it, people were calling and saying Bring back uh, the segment you're going about to do, and so I <laughs> have prepared again another edition of what was Limp Biscuit up to? Um, our fan favorite segment where I whoa whoa whoa, whoa. that's the sound that's going to play there. Okay, whoa whoa whoa, and I'll edit that in later. Um, so what we do in this segment, we talk a little bit about the year that this album came out, uh, what was happening around the time, kind of set the set the framework for it, and then answer the question on everybody's mind. But what was Limp Biscuit up to? <laughs> the year in question, if you will. Allow me to, to uh, take you on a voyage through time. Back to the year 1993. I was but two years old. Little Mac Hoskins. Uh, and while I was two years old and could not uh, grasp the implications of foreign politics, Czechoslovakia was splitting into the Czech Republic and Slovakia in the Velvet Divorce. Nice. Uh, event known as the Velvet Divorce. Um, Bill Clinton. Is that, is that a Velvet Underground album? <laughs> that's that was their breakup, <laughs> or that, that's their breakup album. <laughs> All right. All also, right, 1993. Way to belittle an <laughs> inter international issue. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't. I, I, that's all my note was. I don't know what the background was, but uh, Czechoslovakia was always a country with a cool name to me as a kid. So. Uh, Shout out to Czechoslovakia, which no longer exists. Um, also in 1993, President Bill Clinton was sworn into office uh, for the first time. Because he was president for two terms. It's another fact, uh, fun fact. Um, drug Lord Pablo Escobar was gunned down by the police in this year. <laughs> All right. Jesus. <laughs> hey. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... Got him. Got him. Um, Got him. uh, (laughs) The best picture winner in 1993 was Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, which is a pretty good movie. It's a good movie to watch. Uh, Max, a movie guy. I've uh, I've never seen that movie. Oh, is that what? Is that that one? No, that's fucking good. The bad and the ugly. Oh, (laughs) that's what I thought. I didn't know if Unforgiven was part of the trilogy. No, Unforgiven was. uh, It was. I mean, 93. It was like. I mean, Clint Eastwood's even older now, but he was like oh, I guess an true, older yeah. guy. And it was like, he also, he directed it and starred in it. And uh, I don't know if he won for directing, but it's a good movie. It's, it's definitely worth seeing. So in in uh, music this year, um, this was the year that Prince changed his name to the unpronounceable symbol. And people were forced to call him the artist formerly known as Prince. Also in 1993, Nirvana played their MTV Unplugged concert. 
Um, wow. And my favorite musical fact I found about 1993 was that in 1993, Elton John was forced to end a concert in Melbourne, Australia early when a swarm of grasshoppers invaded the stage. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely I'm going to. I definitely am going to search on the internet later and try to find concert footage of that happening. (laughs) Do you you think that that connection to nature had anything to do with the Lion King? Oh, man. Yeah, they probably hate it. They were like, hey, we wanted you to make a bug's life and you made Lion King. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to be Flick. He's British, right? Yeah. He's British, but he does not sound like that. Um, I'm just picturing, like, Elton John's mashing the piano keys, and there's, like, grasshoppers under the hammers in the piano. He's just crushing grasshoppers. (laughs) And he has, like, he has the most expensive piano in the world because he's Elton John, and it just, like, is getting grasshoppers mushed into it. (laughs) Yeah, that was... I laughed laughed out loud when I read that. Like, that's that's probably a reality. I wonder if there's a video where is this again uh melbourne australia wow um so just to set to the last little uh, stage setting i'll do here the billboard top albums of the year the top five were the soundtrack to the movie the bodyguard uh kenny g's breathless eric clapton's unplug unplugged rather uh janet jackson's janet and billy ray cyrus some gave all man to, to think there was a time before miley yeah, but to fit a little more into uh, kind of looking at some more albums um, from that year, the next five I think set the stage a little more for the band we're talking about, Radiohead, and who what they were at the time. So this is six through ten: uh, Doctor Dre's The Chronic, Spin Doctor's Pocket Full of Kryptonite, Pearl Jam Ten, uh, Garth Brooks' The Chase, and Stone Temple Pilots' Core. And those are uh, some groups that fit a little bit more into. Uh, the genre that we're talking about today. Wait, but Mac, you're you're really throwing me for a loop here because I thought the name of this segment was "What was Limp Biscuit up to?" What was Limp Biscuit up to? So can can you fill me in here? Limp Biscuit had not yet formed. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully there's uh, other albums in good. which they have something relevant to talk about, but for now... Well, it'll be, <laughs> it'll, this, will be this will be the only one because Limp Bizkit formed in 1994. Um, but Mike and I were talking about this. Uh, we did find some fun facts about Limp Bizkit, um, including some alternate names for the band that... Uh, oh, God, I hate these. <laughs> created. Fuck, uh, I didn't have these. Oh, I do have these. Okay, so these were alternate names Fred Durst considered for Limp Bizkit. They're, they're, they're terrible. Uh, and uh, you'll see why. So we did not make these up. No, these are real. Even though this sounds like a bit, these are all real names. Um, Fred Durst considered calling the band Gimp Disco. <laughs> Get used to those sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Split Dick Slit. <laughs> what? Yep. yep. Um, bitch Piglet. <laughs> and then uh, breaking the mold a little bit, Blood Fart. Oh, where did that one come from? <laughs> he had like yeah, she, a, a one-syllable, two-syllable thing going on with eyes, yeah. and then just two one-syllable words, no I sound in them. I think he was recording. He was like making a memo to himself of like possible band names, Gimp Disco, Split Dixlet, Bitch Piglet, and then he just had a blood fart. <laughs> and, then, and then the manager heard that and was like, oh, that could be a name. 
Yeah, and okay. So I, think, I, think it, I think it came out of there. Um, but uh, while uh, while Limp Biscuit was still formulating in, uh, in a young Fred Durst's head as he had conceived the idea for a band that combined hip-hop and rock elements for years, um, another band uh, would release their debut album. And that album is called Pablo Honey. Today we're talking about Pablo Honey, Radiohead's debut album. I didn't have oh, a joke. Right. <laughs> Raise them up for the uh, the entrance to the music universe. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Honey, the first album by the band Radiohead. Yeah, take a sip of your Honey Brown in honor of Pablo Honey. Uh, tell tell me. Guys, go ahead. Gotta say something. Mm-hmm. This is a really good podcast, guys. Oh, hey, yeah. Thanks. Hey, thanks thanks for saying that. Glad to have you on, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, tell me again why you decided <laughs> to pick the, the Honey Brown for Pablo Honey. Oh, I, like, I think it's very obvious to see. What, is it about the, uh, the bold flavors uh, and the, the, time, the timelessness of, you know, just the smooth, uh, you know, go-to beer? Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, no, it's, it's got the word honey in it. Uh, nice. Hey, good choice, Ryan. Give give Ryan a round of applause, everybody. Yeah, I don't have a little applause button on my thing. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither do I. And our studio audience is not in house this week. <laughs> no, they're there. They're just, they're we, just we have they're just silent. We've taken extra measures. They're there, but uh, the uh, the someone cut the co- uh, the cord to our applause light, so we can't turn it on. So they just like don't know when they should clap. <laughs> so they're just sitting here in silence. And they know they don't clap out of turn. Oh yeah, they learned they learned that the hard way. Mike, tell us a little bit about just uh, in layman's terms, uh, kind of ha- where this album came from. How it, you know, not how it came to be, but uh, the a little bit of the backstory behind this record. Yeah, I'd love to. And you know what? Even when I was I was looking back through this album today, um, and I, you know. I, we initially came up with the idea to do Pablo Honey because uh, Ryan had suggested, you know, he's a he's a big fan of the album, uh, and it's one that gets overlooked a lot of the time. And for some reason, in my head, I thought ah, I might be the most knowledgeable on this album uh, until I looked back through the track list today and realized, wow, I don't remember half of these songs. <laughs> so, uh, but I do think I know a little bit about the history uh, leading up to this album, which is that uh, Radiohead was not always called Radiohead as you know it. In fact, if you unscramble the word Radiohead, it spells on a Friday. You can do that at home. Oh. Do it now. Take a time. Unscramble the word Radiohead. We'll wait for 10, 10 seconds it's, for them to do it. It spells the word on a Friday, which is how they came up with their first name. <laughs> they first came up with they Radiohead. The and then st- they found the Talking Head song Radiohead, after which they called Radiohead, and decided, you know what? Let's scramble these letters up. Uh, come up with a name and then they decided you know what we're gonna change it back to what it was yeah by by now our audience at home has uh they've unpaused the video and they're scratching their head going huh huh what are you talking about so that that was a joke no on a friday was the first original name of the band i i think i believe it was because they said that that's when they they met to rehearse or something it was on a friday something along that we're not talking about on a friday though we're talking about radiohead uh so Pretty much the same lineup led up to this album. Again, Mac mentioned a lot of musicians at the time. Uh, probably most notably would be bands like 
Nirvana. Uh, I don't think you mentioned them as far as releases of the same year, uh, but Radiohead has been pretty vocal about. Um, wow, I'm blanking on R- the name. REM? Right no, not REM. What the? Pixies. Yeah. Pixies. Pixies. Thank you, Ryan. This is why we have Ryan here today. Uh, the Pixies uh, being a big influence on them, and you can definitely hear that on Pablo Honey more than maybe a little bit on the Benz, but definitely on Pablo Honey. Yeah, I think um, this is off the top of my head, but I think Doolittle, the seminal Pixies album, was 89, so just a few years before this, yeah. So that should already be giving you uh, kind of an idea for the sound of this album. If you haven't listened for some reason, which honestly, this is the one album I think most people have bypassed in listening to Radiohead, so it makes sense that you haven't listened to it. Uh, but it was in an era where uh, grunge and it was kind of on the tail end of punk music uh, and in a similar fashion radio had followed suit with that um, and it, it truly is it's really it's radio ahead kind of it not really breaking the mold all that much just uh, just fitting into the groove of the music scene at the time and I think go ahead I was just gonna say yeah it sounds like an album Whereas all their other, a lot of radio records are like, you know, this, nothing existed like this. This sounds like a record that fit into a music scene at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's, it's, it's tough to say because throughout this podcast up until this point and, uh, definitely after this point, when we talk about different albums, a big thing we're going to be bringing up is, you know, how did they make, uh, monumental changes to music in this format and on this one you know there's there's little uh gleams of light here and there of where they're about to be headed with the next album uh but what you're gonna hear is a lot of just stuff that was going on at the time uh which isn't to say that it's a bad album it's just it's radiohead doing a sound that had existed yeah it's it's a they did it in a great way uh and in some ways pretty unique, but it's, it's really, it's a grunge lighthearted punk album. Mm. Another, um, another interesting little bit about this. So this is the only Radiohead album that does not have artwork by Stanley Donwood for the cover album. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a long time artist uh, collaborator and it's their first album or their only album also that uh, Nigel Godrich, their longtime producer was not involved with in any way to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can definitely hear. I mean, just absolutely. in the sound of the drums alone, I was realizing today just how much of a different sound they have. Yeah, I think I which, think uh, the way Tom's voice is produced too, like his voice is usually so present in the mix, and it's not it's not so much on this record. There are tracks where it is, but but it's 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 much more blended with uh, with the instrumentation, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think it's an important thing to bring up uh, is. I mean, I guess we're talking mostly about the the history of this album, but for those of you who are listening, who again, haven't listened to this album, I think what we're going to try and do here is identify uh, what is the point in going back in time and listening to this thing, if not just for a nostalgic or, uh, I don't know, research-based Radiohead discovery. I think that there are some uh, bangers on this album. Uh, I mean, just to mention a few... Um, anyone can play guitar is just like a fun track rip chord uh, just really badass track uh, 
I won't talk about my favorites yet, but uh, Blowout is probably up there for me as uh, a, a track that I go back to and listen to. So there's there's definitely a lot of stuff on here that uh, shouldn't be missed in as a Radiohead fan. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we can uh, we can take this on together if anyone wants to. So um, let's talk a little bit about and this this we kind of approach this with all with all the albums we want to do but this one it's a little trickier kind of the i guess the flow of this album uh the uh the path of this album where it takes us where it goes uh interesting points in it and how it how it changes um and everything it has to offer um Yeah, so I I think what we should do is identify some landmarks on this album, things that that stick out as, I mean, thematically, if there's any changes that happen on this thing, uh, if there's a a point in the album where you, uh, maybe we should go around and say, like, uh, where you feel this album really hitting a climax uh, and then turning around and go about it that way, because like you said, yeah, this is an interesting one in which I, I think that they were still figuring out how to write a thematic album in the way that some of their albums are mm-hmm. structured. Uh, and I know that we keep using this word hodgepodge. We, we used it with Hell to the Thief. But this one, I, it really feels like just a band who had a collection of songs and they fit them together on a CD. Yeah, I well, I think these songs have a pretty generally a similar sound, a more cohesive sound. It doesn't. It doesn't sound hodgepodge to me. It doesn't. It does sound like a collection of songs put together, but not like amnesiac where everything sounds different. Well, so I I think if you're gonna start with this album, uh, if if you were to draw a pathway through this, uh, the, the track you even though it's an interesting opener, it's it's really hard to feel like this album has started until you listen to the infamous the hated the absolutely despised will not play live track yeah. creep so fucking special but I'm a creep So to me, I feel like that's a good starting yeah, point for sure. to talk about with this thing. Yeah. There's a lot of history around that track alone yeah. uh, that just cannot. Yeah. And I, I want to say, listen, listening to this. So, so I, I, Creep used to be the only Radiohead song I know, probably like other, like many other people. Um, I mean, you know, ten years ago. Um, and this is maybe the first time I've put that song on in the last couple of days. Listening to Pablo Honey, probably the first time I've put Creep on in over five years probably and it is crazy to hear that and think this there was a time when this is what radiohead was known for was this track that is very it's got an interesting reputation and i i want to bring up something real quick uh how many times have you had a conversation with people about radiohead and either they know what who radiohead is and they're they're comfortable saying yeah I've, i've listened to radiohead before or you get the typical response is, well, I know Creep. And then it's it's almost like they're a one-hit wonder. They, they're, in their eyes, maybe a one-hit wonder is subjective. I mean, of course it is. But in this in this way, it's a very weird, like, there's nothing past that. It's just, it's Creep. It's all they've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, 
And I guess it's similar to a lot of other bands. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. That's probably what most people will bring up. Uh, well, they they still have a ton more hits than. Well, so this okay, good point. I think you brought up there. This is probably the one and only real Radiohead hit. Yeah, commercial hit. You're probably right. They definitely. I'm sure they definitely had songs chart, but this is. I mean, even on their seminal albums, yeah, they were there aren't they were not like songs that were like these singular songs that mm-hmm. that uh that yeah that were hits uh in the way that creep was yeah um ryan i feel like we uh we're leaving you in the dust here uh how how are you feeling about the song creep at this point in your radiohead listening career yeah so i think there's two ways to approach the beginning of this album and creep in general and it's uh it's important to think of perspective and primarily temporal perspective so we can either think about it from our perspective, um, which is we started listening to Radiohead in 2006, 2005, 2009, whatever. And at this point, you know, the stigma behind Creep had been firmly established. Um, But in 93, when this record came out, uh, you know, there there was no establishment there. Um, Creep was immediately popular. But I think it took that time up until uh, this point, maybe 10 years ago, for Radiohead fans to just say, all right, you know what? I'm sick of this track. It's been played out. This is all people know about Radiohead. Um, So I think we can view it from those two different perspectives. Right now, I think Creep's a great song. I think it's an excellent track. Um, I think part of its value may have been diminished by the fact that it was so big. Uh, but, you know, that's a classic theme through a lot of um, popular tunes. And it it usually sucks. But uh, I think if you make any kind of attempt to look past that, um, you can see the value of any given track. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like Creep. I think it's a really good tune. I think it's overplayed. Um, and when I talk to people about Radiohead and they bring up Creep as the sole representation of the group, uh, you know, it makes sense. It's a it was a hit track, and uh, at that point, I'd simply encourage people to, um, just to expand expand their ear, expand their experience to Radiohead, because uh, I know I had a tough time myself um, first getting into the group. Uh, but that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those pieces of art that suffers the uh, inevitable problem of once it reaches a certain point in which so many people know about it, uh, it's that high school and even I, I mean nobody can really shake it it's the uh well too many people like this thing so i'm not gonna like it and then suddenly if you've spent enough time with it well too many people don't like it so now i'm going to like it and i'm not saying that you you should like it or not like it uh based on those things i i mean like it or like it if you if you truly like it or if you don't like it personally i don't think it's as bad as i always thought it was i i think i was kind of jaded by a lot of the similar talk about it at the time. Uh, I don't think it really stands out in a way other than just how much attention it's gotten. But uh, I think it's always going to have that inevitable thing where uh, the majority of people are liking it. uh, And then the other side is not liking it because that side likes it. And then the other side is going to flip because too many people don't like it anymore. So it's all, it's like this higher ground thing. 
like I said, I think it takes some effort. I mean, and you can apply this line of thought to any pop song, uh, potentially guilty pleasure track. Um, you know, we always view things uh, relative to their public perception. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, let's say, let's say a Nicki Minaj song or something. You know, this is not the type of music that us three enjoy. Um, I think we kind of despise some of the the foundations of it, um, the way it's created, the way it's consumed and perceived. But with a little effort, even tracks like that, um, you can look past those aspects of it and just listen to the track, mm-hmm. which is hard to do, which is really hard to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's this kind of a similar story for Creep. You just got to shut yourself off and just listen to the track. And I, I'm not here trying to preach that Creep is the best Radiohead song ever, because I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why it even got the attention it received. But I think it's a good track. Well, and it's interesting, too, because we're all from the same position where uh, we got into Radiohead around in Rainbow's era. So when we're looking back, it's like it's it's not going to stick out to us like it did at the time when it came out. So we, we don't have that experience with it. So when you brought up like Nicki Minaj, we're listening to those tracks. It's like, well, at the time you either liked it or you hated it. It was divisive in a different way where it was like you liked it or you hated it based on what it sounded like. And people, I imagine, are pretty good at being in their camp about that. But when something like this persists for so long and the conversation carries on for so long, I think then it's this weird situation where it's like, well, I don't like that because you like that and because it got so much attention. And it's this, it's this petty argument that forms around it. So it has it's yeah. gotten away. And when we got into Radiohead, it was already so far removed from what does it actually sound like? And it was more involved with well, Radiohead doesn't even like this track or so many people like this track and they only know this track. So why would I like it? And I'll tell you what, I think that's one of the large reasons why I uh, was happy to come here and talk about Pablo Honey. Um, I remember before I heard a single Radiohead track, I heard four or five people say, ah, Pablo Honey's trash. You know, the first record's trash. No one likes it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's not a fair assessment. No, I I mean, I, I... I would agree that I think that there's, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot to be had on this album. And I, it took me a while to discover it, but I'm happy to be talking about it now. I, I definitely don't regret it as much as uh, another album in their discography. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I know. Dancing Agreed. all around Agreed. it. Uh, let me also touch on this point. I, I think we should move on from Creep. I think we've spent enough time, the time that it deserves to have a conversation about it. Uh, but... Uh, this is the one little bit of history that I discovered about it. Um, you you probably all are very familiar with uh, Albert Hammond Jr. His father was also a singer songwriter. Well, for, let's say let's say for those of you who aren't familiar with Albert Hammond Jr., he's uh, he's the guitarist from The Strokes, the band The Strokes. Eh, I just guess people will pick up on yeah. that. Uh, so. His father, singer-songwriter, uh, wrote a song called uh, The Air That I Breathe, and I did not know this until today. Uh, Radiohead, I don't know how far it actually went, uh, but they have been accused of plagiarizing uh, uh, Albert Hammond's song, The Air That I Breathe, for the song Creep. Oh. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, the interesting thing was when I was looking through the track listing on Wikipedia... Uh, it says creep in parentheses music by Radiohead 
And it actually cites Mike Hazelwood and Albert Hammond, uh, which is interesting to me because I was trying to look up, did they produce this thing? Did they co-write it? And I guess they must have just reconciled the fact that they uh, <laughs> were influenced by it. So they're actually listed uh, by beside Creep. Man, that's wild. I had no idea. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, uh, interesting little tidbit that we will end Creep with. And move on. Yeah, it's it's done. We've talked yeah. about creep. Yeah. No longer have to talk about it. And creep, I do think is a really good song. I think it holds up uh, after having listened to it for a long, uh, not having listened to it after a long time. But uh, there's some more songs of this album that I think are also really interesting and uh, very different sounding. So let's talk about. Is there another landmark that sticks out to either one of you, Mac or Ryan, on this album? Can I say something real quick? Sure. I just finished my cocktail and just got to the honey portion of it. The honey must have become cold, solidified, and fell to the bottom. And I just got it. And uh, Pablo Honey's a great record. It's a great drink. All right. Nice. <laughs> well, there's there's one other track to me that's clearly the standout, in my opinion. The best track on the album. Mm-hmm. Should I go into this? Should I save uh, this? Well, well, let's try. I, I don't want to divulge. A, like, Let's kind of paint a picture here of where where maybe their thought process was going in structuring this album. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Stop Whispering is probably another one that people know pretty well. I think if there were another single on this, it probably would have been Stop Whispering. Stop Whispering! I think if there was another single, it probably would have been anyone can play guitar. That was a single, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Well, there you have it. Stop, well, stop whispering might also <laughs> be a single. Uh, but but I think like as far as like standout tracks on this, um, stop whispering uh, is a good track. And it, again, this is this is really like putting me in a hole here because it, it's it's really hard to talk about this thing thematically because it, it's. Maybe the music itself isn't very hodgepodge, but some of these ideas feel like they're very just juvenile. I, so I, I agree, and I have I have some thoughts on this. Uh, listening to this for the first time in a while. So a lot of Tom York's lyrics in the future of the band are very abstract, and I don't think they're vague. I think they're abstract. And here, I think the lyrics are pretty broad. Um I was listening to uh, to another podcast, the Doughboys podcast recently, and uh, writer-comedian Tim Kalpakis was talking about writing and said, you don't write about ketchup, you write about Heinz. Uh, you write about something specific. If you write about something broad, then your work is going to feel broad and, and, and maybe a little vague. And I think Radiohead kind of hits that here all of these songs this is, this is a ketchup album. yeah this is the ketchup album this is not the so we should be drinking ketchup <laughs> this is not the heinz album is there honey ketchup <laughs> i'm sure there is but uh yeah it's it's yeah and i i feel like it's maybe a holdover from how you know on a friday like this new wavy like a uh, the cure kind of vibe it's like these lyrics are very i agree sophomoric in parts um and very Almost like proto emo, like sad boy, uh, yeah, like very, yeah, very Robert Smith, like romantic, but also like sad and like longing, 
and just in a very vague way. I mean, the only song on this album to me that has really kind of imagery in it is like anyone can play guitar, and I even think that oh, that's exactly. And what I, I was even think say, that yeah. that imagery is really goofy and silly. Yeah. But but it's I'm glad that you brought that up because I I was gonna say uh, after you I, exactly what you're talking about. Anyone can play guitar is like the one moment on this album where I feel like if if there's anything to be taken from this and uh, translate it to something different, it's it's their emphasis on like the very specific nature and anyone can play guitar. Mm. Uh, that I think that they 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 kind of take that. Uh, willingness to just say it like it is in some aspects and well okay even with okay I I think there's still a little bit more of a message there than they're trying to say but uh, there's kind of like a dual nature to what they're doing with that song where they're basically saying anyone can play guitar uh, and from what I can gather uh, they're they're kind of commenting on maybe how easy it is music or how easy music is or uh, I mean you name it but I think that that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing they have in a lot of their music later on uh and it takes a very specific conversation in their lyrics to do that type of attitude that you'll hear in uh i mean stuff off the bends uh, yeah i mean any later album that's a good point mike um yeah i think it's kind of analogous to their later societal comments or comments on anything um and that's not something i ever thought about until you just said that but yeah i think i think that's a really good point i also have two things to say um the results are in you guys were right singles from pablo honey included creep anyone can play guitar and stop whispering ah and as we talk about themes, I think um, once again, it's it's all it all comes down to perspective. With especially with this record, maybe more so than any other Radiohead record, you could look at it as a piece of uh, Radiohead's discography, or you could look at it as a piece of '90s music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest problem that. Uh, that, that primarily elicits these uh, these gut reactions to the record in general is when people view it relative to the rest of their discography um, because it is so different. And quickly going back to themes, I think I, you, you guys may disagree and we can talk about this, but I feel like this this record may have as much of a theme as any other Radiohead record in that it has... Um, I think it has a sustained attitude throughout the record while still maintaining its, its hodgepodge nature. Uh, can I expand on that in, in two ways? Cause I, I like both of what you said. Uh, I think you're right. I think attitude is a better, it, it's a more important thing to talk about with this album uh, than theme is. Uh, but that goes hand in hand with what you said before, where uh, people would consider this a nineties album, almost like a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Or like this could fit in like a 90s era time capsule, uh, whereas it doesn't necessarily fit in with Radiohead's discography. 
Uh, but one of the biggest things we talked about in the earlier episodes of this podcast is it's like, why are we talking about Radiohead right now? And one of the biggest things they did was they they innovated with every release. Uh, and for even people who are huge Radiohead enthusiasts, uh, I mean, Pablo Honey still for me does get swept under the table. And I, I think it's because it doesn't have the same passion for change in mind that the even the bends started uh so for me in a weird way the bends is kind of their first album where i feel like they are officially radiohead i still feel like this is on a friday stuck in the 90s but with the radiohead label but was radio do do we think that radiohead was trying to innovate within music as whole as a whole or simply innovate within themselves well, so, so, well, when I say that, I, I don't think that they had a a goal in mind of changing music forever. But I mean, so in the previous episodes, we talk about how Johnny becomes influenced by, uh, you know, more classical music and electronic music. Uh, and I, I think this is still a little earlier in their career where their palette wasn't quite expanded for them to, again, not intentionally break the mold, but they just didn't know that they were in a mold yet. And they, they didn't even have the capacity to make a decision of, no, this is what we, we want to do. We want to try this thing. So following this album, I think they they kind of they figured out, oh, we, we want to try some different things. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as a seminal release, um, it's hard to think that a band starting out would be uh, driven by the goal to you know, change, change music, make a large change in music. And that goes with, um, you know, just, just any, anything that, um, of course I can't talk right now, anything that challenges a a new and upcoming band, whether it be financial or, um, finances, popularity, anything like that, you know? So it's, it's, I don't know. Well, and, and you know, honestly, I, uh, I like that you brought up like bands. Uh, so bands nowadays, I you you mentioned like, oh, I don't think like back then anybody was trying to think like, oh, can I break this mold or, or change the face of music? But following Radiohead, I think nowadays people are trying to do that exact thing. And I'm not saying that... Well, it's almost a necessity perhaps. Right. right. Well, and I'm, I'm not saying Radiohead's the only band that did that. I think it's just kind of with time and with technology. Uh, but Radiohead was at the forefront of embracing that technology. And I think that Bands nowadays look at something like Pablo Honey and say, well, they started right where everybody else was and they made small changes along the way and look at where it got them. Mm-hmm. So I think even if you forget about Pablo Honey as something that you want to listen to, it should always be remembered for that same thing because I think it's so true. Radiohead basically was playing music that everybody else was playing in their first record. Uh, can't say that about everything off this album because there are great moments here that was not replicated by any other band but it's it should be inspiring a little bit that this album is forgotten because they started that way but then pushed so much harder following that release Mac do you have anything to say on that Baba Booey Baba Booey uh, where where are well, we at uh, for time here? Because we we should probably get through some of these other tracks yeah. on here. Well, so to get us started, to talk about some of these other tracks. I don't know if I want to do this for every record, but I have a I have a confession to make about this record, and I've said it on the podcast before, but I haven't said it yet on this episode. My confession 
is that I am one of those people, one of those Radiohead fans who had swept this album under the rug. I had not listened to Pablo Honey at all until yesterday. The only album I or the only song I'd ever heard from Pablo Honey was Creep. So I listened to this album three times between yesterday and today. And I think it's pretty good. Let's talk about some highs and lows, first impressions. We've already covered a lot of this, but uh, I was taking notes on some songs. I'm not going to go through all of them, but a lot of my notes here are just, this sounds like this band. Um, a lot of it sounds like R.E.M. to me, which Thomas said is a big influence on the band. Specifically, Stop Whispering, the beginning of that song, that is such an R.E.M. riff. What's the other one I have here that reminded me of R.E.M.? Uh, the beginning of Ripcord. The beginning of Ripcord sounds also just so much like R.E.M. to me. It kind of kind of goes to a different place, but um, mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of the Cranberries is the vibe I got. A lot of the Cure, like the Sugar Cube, Smashing Pumpkins. I'm just breezing through my notes. How Do You, I think, sounds a lot like a Foo Fighters song. <laughs> like, if uh, Dave Grohl was singing that song, it could be a Foo Fighters song from 1993. <laughs> It is a good album, and I enjoy a lot of these songs. It is a little, you know, the same complaint everyone has uh, with this record, I guess, or most people. It's the it's the album that doesn't feel like it's innovating. It's it it, it was made with uh, this band fitting into part of a scene at the time, and it's good for that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But where I am with this with this band and what I like about them, it's just not quite there. Um, I definitely miss Nigel Godrich. Uh, the production is pretty pretty straightforward, and it's good. Um, mm-hmm. There's some songs that get a little more out there compositionally the only uh one of the only songs that did something that kind of felt like radiohead to me was uh the opening track you which i think is a really good opener but uh yeah it does this interesting thing where it's uh it drops the last beat of uh of the fourth measure in every chord progression which is just an interesting little Mm. twist that kind of catches the ear and makes it interesting to listen to. And I think that's like a great, like banger opener. And then creep still holds up great, great track as we've already talked about thinking about you is where the album starts to lose me a little bit. Um, it's like the one that's like very, it's, it's like the soft song of the album. It is kind of a song that stands out because it's just like an acoustic guitar, fast drum, but uh, very sparse instrumentation on that track. And it's pretty good. But it's a track that I can never imagine myself just picking out to listen to, aside from the album. And then after that, we have Anyone Can Play Guitar, which is pretty sweet, I think. I think that's a good track. I think it was a good single. Uh, reminds me of Space Hog. You all know the band Space Hog, kind of from the same era. <laughs> well, so I just wanted to give a quick overview. Um, oh, man, you didn't even... I, I thought you were going to pick the the banger. You didn't even say it. Oh, I'm going to go into that. I'm not done yet. Um, oh. one more. Th- so one more thing I want to say... Talk about uh, the sophomoric lyrics on this album. Um, Track eight, Vegetable. One of the lyrics is, I never wanted any broken bones. And I think that's just 
a universal relatable lyric that everyone can, can, <laughs> can relate to. Because hey, I never, I you know, I heard that and I thought I never wanted any broken bones either. I think uh, I think anyone can relate to that lyric. They're they're really uh, they're really speaking to but you on that. When show. I when I heard that line, I thought it was funny. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if, if we're on vegetable here, can I make a quick comment? Yeah, go for it. Oh yeah, that, that links back to uh, attitude once again. I think attitude is the um the big thing that ties this record together and i think that vegetable is um kind of the epitome of that attitude mm. for this record you know the lines i'm not a vegetable i won't control myself spit on the hand that feeds me mm-hmm. i think it certainly is a bit juvenile um maybe only juvenile 2018 it's, it's impossible it's to say just raunchy But I think, I think it's I think it's badass, um, which which is a real simplification. <laughs> but this this record kind of falls into that camp for me, um, like some Sonic Youth records do, or oh, I can't think of any other off the top of my head. But I kind of refer them to refer to them as uh, sunglasses music, and like I think I've told you this before, but a lot of the tracks on this record, I think, are paired best with driving in your car wearing black wayfarer sunglasses and smoking a cigarette and i think that is the the attitude that it's the sunglasses music i think that's the attitude that um really stands out in this record and it doesn't exist in any other record and for maybe that fact alone i think that makes this uh this whole collection of tracks important i think um, I, I like that yeah man you really thought long and hard about that pairing what about the beer, Ryan? I like I like the, I like that perspective. Ryan. <laughs> I think that's a good perspective. And to me, uh, I said this sounded like a Foo Fighters song, which is not bad. But how do you? That's a fucking sunglasses track. That song is like just fucking badass riffs, and that's all it is, baby. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, well, I, I want to say really briefly because I, I feel like I can't believe nobody has brought up this comparison yet. Uh, we talked about Foo Fighters, uh, you said cranberries and. Uh, what was it, the cure man oasis it's people always talk about like oh like oasis and radiohead sound very similar and if you're listening to any other album you would say you're crazy what are you talking about this is the album where probably most people are getting that perspective from yeah it's so brit rocky well yeah. how about the pixies and you know the pixies were the large influence yeah. but man I, I can't hear it I think I can I can hear it in the music without the voice. It, if if it doesn't have uh, Black Francis's no okay, so put it this way: if you put Black Francis's voice on this album, it would probably sound like a Pixies album. Yeah, I mean, I definitely so I definitely hear it in the dynamics, like the quiet to loud, uh, kind of you know, like Creep's a great example. Quiet, quiet verse, loud chorus, the mix For- of acoustic and electric. Yeah, formula the Pixies popularized, but I mean. Nirvana was already around at this time, and Nirvana also that was one of their big things. Smells like Teen Spirit does it, you know, a lot of the big tracks do it. And Nirvana similarly was hugely influenced by the Pixies. So I definitely, I definitely hear the Pixies influence just from the Pixies influence on this era of music. Um, mm. And also, I think I specifically noted I think that Phil's drumming on this album sounds a lot like uh, Dave Lovering from Pixies. I think the drumming specifically both 
what he's playing and the mix sounds so oh, yeah. much like Pixies. Uh, yeah, it's funny that you say that now because I was trying to pinpoint like what does that production sound like on the drums with it because it's a little bit more reverbed like they used to do. I, I mean the, that kind of era, anyways. Yeah. And then I remember that what I reference in that specific drum sound is Pixies yeah. drum production. So my takeaway from this album, most of all, and I'm, we're gonna get into a new little segment here. I think let's talk about the tracks, tracks that we love, tracks that mean something to us. Maybe it's something you have a memory of, something that that warms your heart, something you have some nostalgia for. So I don't have that for this album other than Creep. But to me, there is one track, and I feel like one of you guys probably might agree with me, that is hands down the standout track to me, that I loved this track. It blew my mind. I think think we're both going to (laughs) agree. Want to say it on three? Yeah. One, two, three. Blowout. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> that track. That track is so good. Um, and so like, cause like, so I was not expecting to hear anything on this album that sounded like my conception of Radiohead. And when that song started, I'm like, this, this could be on like Amnesiac. Like that sounds like a Radiohead track. And like, it, it reminds me a lot of specifically of like Knives Out at the very beginning. In my mind. That guitar, oh man, it, it is such a good track. Yeah, and then, where anyone can play guitar is, I think, lyrically, thematically more what they were doing later on. Blowout, I think, was the one. I mean, it's perfect that it's the last track on the album because it transitions into the bend so well. There are some other tracks that give me some of the some bends vibes, but uh, as well. But man, that that is a great track. I could not believe I never listened. Like it made, it made me like. Why didn't I listen to this years ago? Like, oh, the whole ending too. I mean, those chords are almost like shoegazy a little bit. Oh yeah, it's it definitely, uh, definitely shoegaze influence. And like, and speaking to the album, like, lots of pretty traditional guitar riffs and solos on this. And that is the, this is the track where the guitar is just like ambient and sonic and loud. I mean, there's a little bit of it, you know, kind of on on the creep chorus and and little guitar solo type thing on that song. But my I mean, this song, like, they really blow out that 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 uh that ambience in the guitar and it's it just fills up the track and it's so good that that song is is nuts and like they're already thinking about about music in this way and uh we can tell even from this one song and Man, yeah, that... every, everything we've said up until this point about like this being uh, very relatable to music at the time that ends when you get to blow out. Yeah, agreed. And and there's other tracks I, I liked. I did I did like this album. I, I did I did think it was like a good a good album to listen to. Good rock album. Um, in in all, I, I'm glad I listened to it. I'll listen to it again in the future. But man, blowout is the track. I'm that's the that's the track I'm going to go back and play that one. Like outside of listening to the album from a whole. That's the track I'm going to put on. That should be the track that got as much attention as Creep is. If you were looking at it from a uh, truly, I, I, I don't know if you, it's experimental is not the right word, but just truly like trying to do something different. I mean, in 93. I agree. I think it's a really important track. It's a great track. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Mike, you, you said you related it to the Benz. Mac, you related it to uh, Amnesiac and... I agree more so with Mac. I think it even transcends uh, their first two or three records. Um, once again, it's got that attitude. It's got that really classic 
Phil Selway groove behind it. And it was everyone on that track is contributing to filling this, filling the sonic space to the best of their abilities. I think it's awesome. Um, as, as a drummer, <clears throat> I, that, that track really speaks to me. There's something special about the way that Phil Selway plays the drums, um, more so in later records. But in this last track, he, uh, he kind of gives you that um, that glimpse into what he'll be doing. He's, he's just got that great style. I think he's always been the master of the simple groove, put in the best place. Um, and yeah, it's that attitude. You know, I think the first time I heard that track, I was in an airport, and you know, I had my backpack strapped to me. I was I was hauling ass through the airport like everyone does. And uh, you know, having that track on, I, I, I would suggest the next time you're in an airport and trying to get to a terminal. Put on blowout. There's some kind of energy, some kind of attitude about that track that uh, makes you feel a certain way. I'm not sure I could describe it, but yeah, it's it's a great track. Love it so much. And we're not talking about Brian Eno here, who made the album music for airports, Ambient One. But uh, this is some more music Sometimes for airports. Don't you just hate it when they cancel your flight? Yeah, I know we were about to go in that direction. <laughs> we had a hard pull in that direction. <laughs> Um, and the other track, the other track that to me was, was a standout that I thought was really good was uh, speaking of us. Uh, hey, speaking of airplanes again, uh, Ripcord. I think this song is really, really cool. Um, it, it again, it sounds so much like REM to me at the beginning, but then by the end of the song, it goes to a a, a much different place. Um, specifically, those chords after the chorus, I, I think are uh, just like just interesting and catchy enough to like kind of make you like stopping your tracks like you're listening to this uh this badass rocks rock track and then you're like oh it's doing this now kind of this uh little interesting uh like tricky riff uh that that was the other shout out to me those are the two that that i uh i hit thumbs up on uh on my google play and added them to my liked songs playlist and you. I did that as well for the song you. Um, so you guys, any uh, any any tracks we haven't mentioned yet that have, like have a have a special place for you guys or or that we, or that we had mentioned? I think we I think we pretty much brought them up. Uh, for me, my other one was going to be well. Anyone can anyone plays what, what the hell is it? official name of that anyone track? Can play anyone can play guitar. Uh, yeah. I mean that's it's it's silly but it's fun uh and i it's it's, so these three tracks anyone can play guitar ripcord again uh and blowout they kind of make me wonder like was radiohead really trying to do that stuff at the time and they were just working with a label that said like okay yeah you can have these ones and but the rest of this still has to sound similar to what's Mm -hmm. going on at the time because i imagine for a band starting out uh you know you want a lot more freedom uh, and, and maybe they did have freedom. I, I don't know. But it just it's those moments on there. Where I'm like, oh, you already know where you're going, but somebody's got to be stopping you from doing that. So, yeah, that's it. Ryan, for any though. any other tracks you want to point out that that are meaningful to you? No, I, I got a bit more to say on the album as a whole. But um, no, I, I think we touched. Uh, yeah, I think we touched on all all the single tracks. Yeah. Well, that brings us to uh, to our last talking point um, of the podcast about this album, which is. Uh, the question, where do you rank this among Radiohead's discography? <laughs> and this is a tough question for this album. You really ask people this stuff? Yeah. Oh, that's a horrible yeah. question. Oh, yeah. We Why? Have time. It's extremely difficult. 
That's all. It is really. Oh, that's exactly why we do this here. If you're not going to do it on this podcast, that's strictly devoted to all Radiohead. Right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Where else are you going to have this conversation? I, I, I can go. I can go first on this. I have an answer. So I, I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Like I, like I said, I, I never listened to it before yesterday, and uh, I was expecting to be a little underwhelmed, and I, and I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I listened to it three times, and part of it was so I could, you know, know this, learn the songs a little bit better, and talk about them on this, but. But uh, part of it was just like that, especially that third listen. I was like, I just, uh, I'm just in the car. I want to put this on. I'm really enjoying this. It's a, it, it feels like the classic definition of like, there's a handful of CDs I keep in my car, uh, which I, I usually listen to music on my phone in my car, but my phone's off or anything. I like to have some standbys, like something that just like, uh, maybe like good sunglasses music would think of it. Something I can just like drive to pretty much anytime, uh, like a pavement slanted and enchanted, uh it's one of those cds i have in my car i can think of weens chocolate and cheese just uh just an album that's good to listen to i can always listen to uh maybe not even a great album by my standard but an album that i like to drive to and uh, just like enjoyable and i think that's like totally what this is so that being said it is the album to me that doesn't innovate particularly other than blowout which you've talked about doesn't do anything that was 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 really really outside of the scope of what was happening, and I like the, I like this record quite a bit, but we're talking about, you know, my my favorite band, the band that I think has many nearly flawless records. So I think for me, I'm gonna have to put Pablo Honey, and this is this is not an indictment. I think this record's good, but I'm gonna have to put it. I think second to last. I think that for me, Pablo Honey goes right above. The other Radiohead album I don't think innovates, but I forgive it much less. Um, a moon-shaped pool. <laughs> so, so you put this at number two? You're saying? For, or, sorry, not number two. Sorry, it's two from the bottom, right? Second from the bottom, yeah. It, and I still really enjoy it. It just, it just, it doesn't go to the lengths other Radiohead records goes for me. But, but I, I still think it's really good. I'll listen to it again for sure. Um, and I, and I like it. But, but again, it just it's stacked up against uh, the Ben's OK Computer Kid A. Hail to the Thief in Rainbows. That's a hard roster to get to the top of. So so it's it's still very, very good, but but that's where I gotta leave it. Well, I've actually I've got an easy response for this, Ryan. I'll give you a little bit more time to think about it. I one hundred percent agree. Um I that's exactly where I would put it. Um and you know what? I don't feel bad that it's that low on the list because uh I mean we talk about Radiohead as improving and innovating through every single album. So to me, I mean, that's innovation itself is not what uh, defines a good album for me. Uh, but Radiohead innovates, but also improves with most of their albums. Uh, and I've even said that, like, Hell of Thief is my favorite, but the the album after it, I know, is to be a much more perfect album. So I think they that throughout the history of time, they've just gotten better and better. So for their first album to be uh second from last for me i i think is you know it, it just it makes sense and i don't feel bad putting it there uh i do feel really bad for the one that's below that though which we'll talk about at another time still have no idea which one you're talking about oh man <laughs> yeah well that's for uh the viewers to guess about <laughs> all right right guy what uh what what are your thoughts on pablo honey fitting into radiohead's discography as a whole <laughs> Yeah, so once again, I want to hark back to perspective one last time. Um, sure. You know, I can think of this uh, this record through the perspective of music in general. 
related to things of the time, um, Sonic Youth, Smashing Pumpkins, Flaming Lips, yada, yada, yada. If I was listening to this type of music at the time, I think Pablo Honey would have been very high on my list of records uh, for 1993. I think it's an awesome rock record. I think there's a lot to say about it. Um, if we shift that perspective uh, to Radiohead's discography, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I'm going to also put it at second to last. Um, but boy, does it set the stage for the natural and ideal progression that Radiohead represents. I mean, Pablo Honey to the Benz to OK Computer. I, I mean, what, what three record pro- progression makes any more sense um, mm-hmm. out there in the world of music? So yeah, I'm going to put it second to last. Uh, like Mike said, I don't feel bad about it. Um, and I hope that for anyone listening out there, we, we may have changed some minds or opened some eyes to uh, what this what this record yeah. is. I think, I think that's a great perspective. And, and again, like, we all like this record. We all like this record, right? Like, it's really mm-hmm. good, I think. Yeah. But yeah. that just speaks to how <laughs> how much I love this band. Exactly. This record that I really enjoy, they have, what, six records I think are better. <laughs> like, Well, if they, if they were starting from uh, anywhere else, I don't think that Radiohead would have had the uh, momentum yeah. to be the the band that we're saying they are i mean like it's it's nothing to be scoffed at i mean if for a band any other band to create an album like this i mean it's a huge feat especially at that time uh, i was just saying if they hadn't had a creep then the okay computer would not have had the significance mm-hmm. that it had uh i w- i will say and I, I thought about this uh as we've been talking and just reflecting on I think some of the angstiness that people have towards this album and and maybe that's just in my own head. Maybe I'm just assuming that there's a world out there that doesn't want to like this album. Uh, and I, I'm making a, a huge claim and a generalization here, but when you think about it, I, I feel like people want to hate this album because it makes them feel a little bit better in a way, because this is the most like humanizing album, I think for Radiohead where it brings it down to a level where you can, see their thought process and i think in in claiming that this is a bad album it kind of props yourself up a little bit yeah for sure to say like oh well radiohead like but they also released that first album like i I, like i'm okay like listen to my music i mean it's snobby but it's like that's not the point though like you you weren't releasing this album when they were in 93 and it's you can't make that comparison like yeah if so yeah i mean i think we all agree on this like as people who who love Radiohead and like even agree like we like their later discography better. Pablo Honey is really good. If you've never listened to it, go listen to it. And and maybe if you don't like Radiohead, maybe it's a good a good place to go because it's it's not you know it's not the wild shit you maybe don't like the stuff you can't relate to. It's it's just like a good fucking rock record. So maybe maybe that's what you want. I I will say. I will say with that, though, I don't think as a new listener, if you were to listen to Radiohead, I probably wouldn't recommend this album as your first album. I would say, if anything, of early albums, the Benz would be a good place to start. This might be a good one to visit afterwards, just so you can get you can have that Radiohead sound in your head and then think back a little bit. I don't know if you guys would agree with that. I think there's something to be said for that, yep. Um, guys, this has been great. Uh, Ryan, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so some quick plugs as always. And this is the other segment people keep writing back say, give us those plugs. We want to hear more plugs. Um, <laughs> they, they listen to the whole thing just to get to the plugs. <laughs> yeah. They don't know they, that you can they skip don't even ahead. Oh, 
God, this yeah. first hour and 11 minutes. God, I hated that. But the plugs, <laughs> the plugs are what I love. Um, so as always, I'm just going to put out there, uh, as I say always, if you want to, you can search on Bandcamp and find my own music. Uh, For Elise is my pseudonym. F-O-R-E-L-Y-S-E. Um, it's free to buy, which you are welcome to do. I just want you to listen to it if you want. But I also want you to give me money so you can do that if you want to as well. And send me some money for my music. And uh, even if you just like listening to this podcast, I want to throw us some bones. Uh, yeah, Mike, uh, any any plugs for this week? Uh, well, yes, actually, this is the month. Uh, it's the anniversary month for an album I released a year ago, Costume King 1994, uh, Slim Magnificent. Uh, and I have decided that on Halloween, I am going to be uh, opening up that album to be downloaded for free. Ooh. On October 31st, you can download Costume King 1994 for free. No payment. Uh, anytime before or after. I think it's like $9.99 or something. Yeah. Uh, put, a lot of, put a lot of work into that album. Uh, so check it out. And then I have all my other albums on there for free. Cool. Well, I hope that this comes out before October 31st. I think. Oh, I guess that's true. I think it, oh, wow. I think it will. <laughs> I didn't even think I about think, that. I think it will. I think we'll make it happen. Um, cool. Well, um, Ryan, so I know, uh, I think I, I know uh, what your plugs are, but uh, if you want to go ahead and, and, t- and tell everyone, you know, where, if you have anything you want to promote, where they can find it, and then we'll talk about uh, what we're going to end the podcast with after that. Sure. Um, boy, I haven't uh, been in the best creative space for a little while now. I'm actually, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, currently trying to get my master's degree, so sadly the creative energy has been put on hold. However, uh, in the past I've put out a couple of records, a couple collections of tracks under the moniker Aphid A. Uh, we all have fun monikers, as you can see. Does everybody out there know how to spell Aphid? That's A-P-H-I-D space A. And that can also be found on Bandcamp um, just by searching Aphid A. There's a handful of stuff on there. It's free, or it should be free. If you find yourself behind a paywall, um, reach out and I'll give it to you for free. Email me and I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah, I think Max got it. So, uh, yeah, you know, you know, that's that's all I got. So, uh, so we're gonna end the podcast this week uh, with a song by Aphid A, our own Ryan Freebertsauser, uh, that he selected. Uh, Ryan, you want to tell us uh, what this song is called? Maybe a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. It's a track that um, was released in the last collection of tunes that I put out. Uh, that album was called Crumb Yum. And this track is entitled Yaya in Color. And uh, now realizing that's the first time I've ever said that out loud. This track's called Yaya in Color. Uh, I think it's, it, uh, it is a good reflection of what I really enjoy um, about music and what I really... The type of music that I really enjoy writing. Uh, and if you enjoy it as well, you know, follow, uh, follow that name to Bandcamp and there, there's some more for you. And I, I appreciate the plug, y'all. You know, it's fun. Hey, uh, we should also say, me and Ryan, we were in a band called The Bellflowers. Uh, Joe was, too. Uh, I don't know why we keep getting Bellflowers uh, members on here. <laughs> uh, you can check out the album Kainai. Uh, fit that in. Let's get back to Ryan's. All thing. available on Bandcamp, for sure. Um, all right, so tell me the name of this song again, Ryan. What's it called? Yeah, it's called Yaya in Color. All right, so we're about to hear Yaya in Color by Aphid A from the album Crumb Yum. Uh, you can find it on Bandcamp. 
And uh, that'll do it for this episode of Someone Listening In, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. And um, as always, feel free to email us if you have a question, comments, something you want us to read on air. Or if you want to be on the podcast. Or if you want to be on it at someonelisteningin at gmail.com. So until next time, thanks for listening. Have a good night. Take care. Thank mm-hmm. you.